Hey, everybody. This is Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 10. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter nine. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I am, uh, this week, I think I'm trying on the mantle of chick lit author. Supernatural chick lit. I'm just taking that for a bit of a ride, see how it feels. Okay. I like it. Oh, you're echoing again. How am I echoing? I didn't change anything. That's weird. Can you hear me okay now? No, it's echoing again. Hmm. It's like there are two recording sources or something. Oh, let me try unplugging my microphone. That's probably what it is. Sorry, what that is. Edit this out, maybe. Okay, how about now? Oh, that's heaps better. Okay. So maybe that was it all along. <laughs> um, but usually I have my microphone in, so I don't know why. Anyways. All right. End cut. <laughs> okay. I'm Alicia Seymour, fantasy author. And I'm excited to record again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's nice, huh? It's just, it's like a weekly check-in. Yeah, it is. I'll literally have something come up th- during the week. I'm like, oh, that'll be a good thing to bring up <laughs> on the episode. It is the weekly therapy session. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, Paul Gara's cup. What's in your potion this week? Lovely Alicia. Well... My potion is a tall glass of water and actually probably many of tall glasses of water because I realized I haven't been drinking enough water, even though I thought I was. And this morning I woke up with a headache that made me realize that yesterday I probably only had like four glasses Mm. of water when I really shoot for eight glasses at least. And then when I came home, I had uh, a little bit of wine, which I think is what tipped it to this headache this morning. So um, I'm working on on that. Um, But also the tall glass of water, because last week I was extremely thirsty. Um, All the fires that were happening, right, Mm -hmm. Um, made the air really smoky. But then the day after we recorded last week... I went to go take a rest in my bedroom and um, I hear the guys that live behind us, like we share a fence in their yard. They always go out in their yard. I hear one of them right as I lay down. Is that a fire? I was like, oh, I'll just ignore it. And he's like, is that smoke? Is that a house on fire? And then I'm like, um, okay. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just so tired. I'm just going to sleep. He's probably just seeing something in the distance. Then I hear him on the phone with 911. I'm like, okay, let me go see where the smoke is. And I finally found on my front door, I go outside and um, there's literally flames. Like I can hear the licking of the flames. They're so close. No. It's, 
Yeah, terrifying. I've never been close enough to, I've had close calls with fires before here. I've never been so close that I could hear the flames. Yeah. And I was here by myself at the time. The girls were at school. So I was glad they were. I know, because they would have freaked out if they had seen that. So it was, the way it is, is there's another street on the other side there. And then beyond that street, the strip of houses beyond there's a bunch of dry bushes and palm trees and there's a river. The San Diego River runs right there. Because we don't get enough rain, all it takes is the slightest, maybe it's a piece of glass. Yeah. I don't know, something and it's poof. But it was like right up against the fences of those houses. Um, so is that so, behind your mom's place? No, it's on the opposite. So okay. my mom's like my mom's this way to me. Yeah. I can literally look out this window and see her house. Okay. But it was back here this way. Yeah. So okay. It was oh. a day of, yeah, I was just a day of like, oh, shoot. Um, I, I had packed everything, the essentials just in case it didn't, not, none of the houses burned every, the firefighters were so amazing. I mean, so that's the thing. It doesn't take much to just jump houses, jump, jump, jump. And there you go, a spark in in your insulation or something. And I actually have like a little video I could upload to show you guys. But um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I even called. I was like, hey, you might want to come home just in case this is what's happening. They had the roads blocked for a little bit. Yeah. Um, by the time I went to get the girls at school, it seemed to be under control and into okay. the night. And it was just that day. There were no more fires after that. So. Oh, for goodness sake. But yeah, that day I was drinking lots of water. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was running around and panicking a little bit. But um, other than that, it's, you know, it's been a really good week. I still have been doing a lot of writing. I'm realizing more and more how what I am actually writing in my draft right now is is like myself telling myself what I I need to be doing right now. So is this the Raven Oracle? Yeah, yeah. The is that Raven what it's and called? Oracle. Raven and yeah. the Oracle. Sorry, it is. It is. So it's interesting because I I always kind of thought like I've already put this behind me this part of my life but now I'm writing the draft and I realize that Eva's come to the point where she's dealing with everything I'm dealing with and this is more like internally based emotionally and spiritually so I literally was writing this scene today I'm like holy shit this is something is working through me into Eva's character and telling me basically that what I've been asking guidance on and then I was like this is I tell you, there are no freaking mistakes. There are no mistakes. Mm -hmm. Timing, divine timing is just that. Yeah. And there's no mistakes about when you do things. Right. And it makes sense why a couple of weeks ago I felt resistance because it was probably like the ego or whatever mind blocks, just like not wanting to go there. Mm -hmm. Yep. But now that I'm there, I'm feeling just release when I sit down to write and I look forward to these scenes now because I'm at the end so not only is it that but I'm at the end where all the stuff's happening and it's yeah. really like yesterday two days ago I wrote 2,000 words in like an hour which is fast for me zippy zip it's fast for me so it was really fun and that was one of the scenes where I just sorry where I just um 
the other character uh, a character was talking to her and all this stuff just started coming out and I'm like what I didn't know any of this stuff and that's the best part is like when you have you don't even see it coming because then you know your readers don't see it coming and and look I know that you lament a little bit the fact that it's taken you 10 years to get to the end to writing the end of this series of three books mm -hmm. but you couldn't write what you're writing now five years ago no no because you hadn't had all of the experiences that you've had now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be really like beautiful wrap up that I, yeah, I couldn't have done it five years ago or no, you know, no, but it's also just a lot of lessons learned in this series that I know what not to do next time too. Yeah. And it'll be so easy. Well, you know, the, our first books are our learning that's our that's our learning, isn't it? If there's yeah. a, I, I really uh, resist the notion that the writers are supposed to get it all right, mm -hmm. you know, and and there's no there's no patience or grace given to new authors. Right. Like you're not supposed to publish your work until it's perfect. Fucking right. bullshit yes this is your legacy and any other art form you're allowed to go out and you do your work and there's a collection you can see the progression of where you started and then when you where you finished it's no different right. i think i agree because i've i've been around um people recently who say that how you know how are you going to have expect to become a best-selling author and you got typos in your book and I kind of take it personally, like a lot of them don't realize that I do have typos in my book when they're telling me this. I've never come nope. across a book by any author that doesn't have a typo in it. Mm -hmm. Well, my, yeah, mine are a little more on the excessive side, but to my defense, it's still an amazing story. It's still readable. It's not like I, you know, maybe the, the E is not on the, the end of the word or something like you know, but as long as they don't get pulled out of the story too often, I might forgive you if it's an excellent story, which I just did to a book I read yesterday. It was really yeah. fun. What was it called? Yeah. Um, don't, uh, someone tell somebody tell Aunt Tilly she's dead. <laughs> and it was like a witch, uh, like cozy mist, like, like cozy mystery thing. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it wasn't a cozy mystery, but it had a mystery and it was quite raunchy in places and. It was all magic and oh, really cool, actually. I really liked it. Uh, right. I, I zipped through it in a day. I just inhaled the story. And there were like a few typos I've gone, oh, really? <laughs> I just, but I kept going because I just really wanted to know what, <laughs> what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that a lot of readers have that. They don't want to read books with typos. And then they're just not my readers for that yeah. series because yeah. I put these books out knowing that I was, they weren't going to be edited because I couldn't pay an editor. Yeah. I didn't know you. I didn't have my, my other editor friend, Christy at the time. So yeah. I just, I'm like, I'm not going to let it stop me from putting the book out. I'm so glad that you didn't, you know, there's a, there's a thing about perfectionism in our society that hobbles so many people and makes us all feel like we sh we don't have permission. You give yourself permission to start where you are and just continue on and learn and get better from there. And you know what? That's okay. That yeah. you are good enough. 
and and as you say your readers will find you yeah and the cool thing is i actually just had them all recently like proofread so all the typos are out of it now yeah i'm just all the ebooks are updated without the typos yeah. now and, and oh, isn't that the wonderful the wonderful thing about being an indie publisher yeah you can is that change it when you, you need can to. iterate you can iterate your work you can update your covers you can update the content you can update you know the back matter and the front matter you can do that because you are the publisher and so yeah. you know as we do get better as you say don't let it stop you mm -hmm. authors listening to this do not let it stop you don't listen to the gatekeepers do your yeah. work and then when you can when you have the resources you go in and do it better if you choose to yeah or you just start from where you are and do the next thing better right the interesting thing is too everyone that read those books that are out so far the first two not one of them came to me and complained about the typos they all came to me and talked to me about the story how much they loved it mm. and so to me i know that okay those are my people they're not going to let yes. a few typos discourage them from the story yes. And that's, that's how I am. If I saw typos in a book, but I love the story, mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> and that's the thing when you, when you, because authors these days, you have to be a marketer as well. You have to sell your stuff. It doesn't matter right. if you're traditionally published or not, you still have to be a marketer. <clears throat> and the problems only arise when you try and market to people who are not your people. Right. Yep. It's so true. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. I kind of went on a little side thing with her, my author stuff, but that's where I've been living. So yeah, it's totally a lot of okay. fun. So my potion is hot chocolate laced with lavender smoke and dark moon energy. I read that and I was like, how can I make myself a cup of that? <laughs> I know it sounds kind of dark, but I, li I love the dark stuff. So it sounded well, like calming. Well, that combination came about because I'm on a bit of a chocolate kick. I'm like, got the, ta uh, and it doesn't happen. Like I don't always have a sweet tooth, but I'm like, what the chocolate? And I cut all the lavender bushes out the front of the house Ooh. and I've kept all of the because it's all it was all dried out you know and down yeah. to it's just like seeds yeah it's really scrubby and it had gotten way out of control it hadn't been trimmed for a couple of years and so I cut it we cut it all down and we've got three big garbage bags full of lavender <laughs> wow and so I wanted to like do a bit of a ritual fire in the fireplace at the back mm-hmm and so we got a heap of, you know, the lavender and burned it in the fireplace. And it's like, I make my own, um, like, uh, uh, smudge sticks and, um, you know, like smoking, like, uh, the smoke wands. My okay. favorite one, the ones my mum used to make from sage, rosemary and lavender from her garden. Oh my mm. God. It's so amazing. Um, but we just, I just, we just chucked it in the fireplace and set fire to it and the smoke smelled so good. And the oh, oil man. from the leaves was just like, it was just mm -hmm. wonderful. So that's, that's that. 
And that was uh, uh, the fire. The purpose of that fire was to rededicate me to myself, to mm -hmm. keeping my word sacred to myself. Um, yeah. So that's what that's about. And then the dark moon energy is, um, that seems to be where my cycle has flipped to, uh, anchoring me in that, in the new moon rather than the full moon. Mm which fits with all of the other changes to my cycle that are going on. Um, and it's entirely appropriate because there's a, a lot of letting go, shedding and transformation that I'm doing in, you know, that void space. Yeah. So that's what that's about. And I, last week was I, how was I last week? Was I... You were kind of, you had kind of gone down a little bit from when you were drinking your crystal water. Yeah, yeah. So I had been falling off the crystal wagon, crystal water wagon, and I wasn't taking it regularly. It was maybe once a day. And I got to yesterday, like, was it yesterday? Yesterday I hit like rock bottom. Like I had... Pulled right back from a project, the other big project. I decided, no, I just yeah. have to stop. Um, my most active, like the the week, the meetings, I had to stop them. I'm not, I wasn't, okay. I'm just not, not in the position where I can hold that space for a number of people. And I just don't have the creative energy for that at the moment. So I pulled right back from that. And that was the thing that I was having the dilemma about. Like, do yeah. I do this? How do I do this? You know. So in the end, I just, hey? Did you make the announcement that I missed that? Yeah, you did. It's in the group. Oh, it's probably because I haven't been in Facebook. So <laughs> I literally went into our group specifically, like our Bulgaria group, and oh. then I was out. I didn't even check all my other updates. No, so I did. I put an announcement in there, and in the end, I just told the truth. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have it in me to do this mm -hmm. and that was fine. Um, and so I, I did feel more or less pressurized inside yeah. after I did that. But then I kept kind of going down, down, down. I was feeling quite unwell, like a bit nauseated. I thought, oh, shit, I've had, I've had, I don't know, too much something just bad to eat i felt like i'd had gluten i knew that i hadn't but it felt like i had and i thought oh shit my pancreatitis is flaring up you know i'm having some I'm ha it, i was feeling like i was having those symptoms and mm -hmm. it's very very unwell and then yesterday i got a fucking cold sore and i've gone right that's enough yeah. fucking that's enough <sighs> get yourself together woman and so I got my crystal water, you know, I haven't been meditating, haven't been taking my essence, you know, haven't been taking care of myself. What do I expect when I'm already feeling fragile and should be taking extra, super extra careful care of myself? No, I just wasn't. I just like, no, I feel sick. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And so yesterday I decided, no, that's it. And I made a new essence hooked into the um, new moon, which is uh, full dark tomorrow. 
So I'm like, oh, that energy feels right. So I'm now going to anchor my essence to the new moon mm. and um, let that take me where it will. That sounds good. Yeah. Sounds and like, you know, <laughs> it's peaceful in that space. It feels yeah. peaceful. And then today, a whole lot of stuff fell in my lap on this whole other energetic level information and um, learnings like the next stage of the things that I where I was so yeah. I'm, I've kind of gone into that next stage now so I'm like oh, feeling all energized and <laughs> excited about you know stuff again and I've been writing every day that's good which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you were at that space when we had our first episode back. You were kind of in that space of like, I've just moved on to this like next phase or some, you know, yeah. I forget how you phrased it. I did. And, then, and I had. Yeah. And now you went through a little bit of down again, but now you're even more. Yes. So it's like, the, so it's, it's like, I. I plateaued really quickly and then dipped. So, so I, yes, I went into this, to this next level, this new phase of whatever the cycle is and scooted along and it was, it was wonderful. And then I had a dip mm -hmm. and crashed. And now I've kind of popped up. Um, like I'm ready for the information that's coming at me now. Mm -hmm. I was not ready for the information that I'm, that I'm, that I'm coming across a month ago. I wasn't ready then, yeah. but I'm ready now. Right. Yeah. Divine timing. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're back up right now and, you know, feeling the alignments of the moon. Me too. So Ask me about my bike ride at the end of the show after we finish recording. <laughs> okay. If you remember, I'll tell secrets. If you don't, okay. well, they will stay secrets. I will remember. <laughs> it's time for Garion's view. Okay. Um, so they are continuing their journey to the veil. I feel like I'm talking about Game of Thrones when I say that. I should say the Vale of Aldor to be specific. Mm -hmm. But Mr. Wolf and Garion have a conversation about the sorcery, everything that he did in the cave kind of stuff. Him and Sinedra, it's like she wants to pick a fight with him. So he really lets her, but he doesn't enjoy it, even though he lets her have it. Um, and then <laughs> it was Hetar, right? Who disappears for a minute and then <laughs> yes. figured out he's killed some Murgos on the road. Uh-huh. And that they know there's some more around, so that they're trying to get, trying to get to the veil more quickly. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's about it. Okay, we'll go into Wolf's Wisdom now and talk more about the chapter. Let me get my book up. Okay. Okay. So they're still in the cave, and um, the storm has died has died down outside. Um, but they stayed in the cave for another day. 
you know, because it's a newborn cult, let it get its legs under mm-hmm. under itself and, you know, um, get a bit more strength. And I really, I really like the scene with Gary and the horses. What did you, what did you think of that? You, what is it? It's right at the start, just how just, they just, behave towards him. Yeah. The way he's like nuzzling him and watching him wherever he goes. And But like the, so the cult is like just wanting to be close to Gary and all the time. Mm-hmm. And the, but the other horses also, they keep watching Gary with this kind of awed respect, this, this, this attitude of awed respect. And Gary feels a bit embarrassed about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was, it was like cute. I could see, I could visualize this little animal, mm-hmm. you know, just. To me, it's like a precious thing. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so. Yeah. You know, I think of my dogs. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, totally. You know what I wish though this time? I wish that Heta had given us some insight into the herd mind. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah, like commented to Gary and about yeah. like why they're watching him, like something like they respect you or something yeah, like, like that, you know? Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would have been cool. Uh, but then they leave, they just kind of clean up, they take all traces of themselves, uh, but they can't put the fire out. They don't, well, they don't, Dernick doesn't even try to put the fire out, I don't think, but he frets a little bit because it's Dernick that there's a fire going and they're leaving. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he sort of, he, he's, he's okay with it because he, I think he just understands that he, I think what Wolf says, he probably couldn't put it out anyway. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it'd be that much of a threat in that kind of a place. I don't think so. You know? <laughs> I don't think so. <clears throat> and up, so up, Paul just says to, t- tells Gary to close the door. And he's a bit self-conscious. Um, <laughs> because Barrack's already tried to move it to close it and it hasn't budged at all. Mm-hmm. And Gary just gives it a little tug <laughs> and it closes, boom. <laughs> yeah, so off they go. And as they ride, Gary falls in beside Mr. Wolf and because yeah. he's, you know, all of this stuff's happened, his mind's full and swirling around. And he wants to talk about it. Yeah. He asks him about why Aunt Paul wanted to stop him from saving the cult's life. And then we find out that it's dangerous. Mr. Wolf says it's dangerous because it can be fatal. If you commit yourself too much to something like that, you can like literally just drain all of your body's energy and... Mm-hmm. then you don't have enough energy to even beat your own heart mm-hmm. to keep yourself alive. And I think the language that they use here is important. He's, Mr. Wall says, if you commit yourself to something that is impossible, you can pour too much energy into it. And that word impossible is important because it's the thread from right back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. When, and Garion says next to Mr. Wolf, but I thought you said nothing was impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's the continuation of that long conversation. 
wolf's like, yeah, well, within reason. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. What do you suppose? That nothing's impossible within reason. I, well, I, well, I tend to think that nothing is impossible, full stop. Mm-hmm. I think it reminded me of um, a video I was listening to Eckhart Tolle explaining how when you want, like he's talking about manifestation. He's like, for, he's like, there's, he was talking about within reason, like mm-hmm. as far as like, like sample, if, if you've seen what he looks like, if I wanted to become <laughs> the, <laughs> the next okay. um, worldwide you know, bodybuilder, bodybuilder. That's really not going to happen. <laughs> I was just, that came to my mind when yeah. I was thinking within reason. Okay. I guess okay. so. Yeah. 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 But, but if he really wanted to, and he took steps towards <laughs> that, there's no reason why he wouldn't get closer to his goal. Closer. Yeah. I think cause they have certain parameters. Like you have to be a certain height and you can't make yourself taller and you know, but you know, if that was, if that, so I would, I would uh, agree with his, 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 his premise. Mm-hmm. If it, if you took it to the furthest extreme and decided that that was the only place that was acceptable for you to go, but I don't, it's true because you could just make up your own, like you could change the rules Correct. if you really wanted to, if you had Correct. enough belief. And I think anything is possible. Yeah. And reason is what stops us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> from, from making... I know that very personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but he tells him within reason... Yeah. That nothing is impossible. So Mr. Wolf being very wolfy vague again. Thanks, Mr. Wolf. Um, so they, they ride on for a bit. And then Gary decides, he says, maybe I better find out more about all of this. <laughs> and Wolf's like, that's probably not a bad idea. What do you want to know? And he's like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this covers, this part of it was interesting because, you know, he tells him that would take a really long time. And so Gary assumes that it's complicated. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Wolf says it's actually really simple, but it's the fact that it's simple that makes it hard to explain. Yes. And I liked that whole thing. Um, yes. And what is the example he gives him about it being, oh, it's two plus two is mm-hmm. four. And then he's like, but why? Mm-hmm. And Garion's like, well, it just is. But what is the reason? Mm-hmm. You know, and he has no explanation for it. And he and says like, to Wolf, well, why? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was hoping you would have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was this whole point with that just to show him that that's so simple. And so, like, just like mm-hmm. things Garion wants to know, mm-hmm. he can't explain it that easily. It's true though. the 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 more the more simple something is, um, the harder it is to explain because the simple things are usually the things we do intuitively, mm-hmm. without analyzing 
overmuch, we just do them. They flow yeah. out of us. And when we try to explain them, we need to kind of go, oh, and start thinking about all of the things that all of the processes that just happen in our mind that we've never thought of before because we just do these things. But then when we start to analyze them, it's really difficult to articulate some of them, some of the things we don't know. And if we break something down into its component steps, something really simple that we do, it's a really long, a convoluted kind of explanation that's hard to make sense of mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah, I agree with that, you know. And the fact too, just the fact of explaining something, it's almost like what's the point of explaining it when you can just be it and teach that way? without explanation but just be it and then that's how you teach like mr wolf uh -huh. could teach him well you know what i guess it, he is kind of doing that yes he is and and knowledge is important it helps us understand uh on a head level mm -hmm. the doing of the thing the embodying of the thing gives us the true knowledge of it the understanding of it in a deeper way. So you can talk about something we like, but pretty much most of the time, unless you until you do it, you don't really understand the thing. Right. Yeah. It's like um, you have to go through the experience of it yourself. And oh, that's what I—that's where I was going. That's what I wanted to say. And in the doing of the thing, what you discover is your way of doing the thing. So you input all of this knowledge and experience that other people are describing to you from their experience of doing the thing. And then what eventually comes out and what you are, be, do is your way. Of doing the thing and it's when you give yourself permission to do that and stop trying to replicate someone else's experience that's when you understand the thing because yeah. does that make sense yeah it makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> i need water but yeah they move into like this whole Like he uses that example and then he's, he asks Gary though, but what exactly is it that you wanted to know? And he says, what is sorcery? Yeah. Um, and Wolf says he's already told him that once it's the will and the word. Um, and Gary says that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So he tries, Wolf tries to say like, okay, well, and think of it this way. This is, doing things with your mind instead of your hands. Yeah. And he shares a story of like him, when he was younger, he moved a rock. Is that what it is? He moved mm -hmm. a rock with his mind and that was kind of like his doorway opening. And he but couldn't shut it after that. And the thing that Garion's like, he runs up against then is, but it doesn't seem hard because to Garion, performing acts of sorcery hasn't been hard so far. Mm -hmm. 
and Wolf's like, yeah, well, it hasn't been hard because you, it's not being controlled. It's just out of control magic. And that's not sorcery. That's just, mm. you know, willy nilly kind of acts coming through you. It has, it has, yeah. you know, your responsibility is to learn how to control yourself, to be in control of yourself so that you then have somewhere to come from to decide how you will use your sorcery. Because just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. The sorcery itself isn't anything. It's neither good nor bad. It's just a force. The good or the bad come from how you use it, from the decisions that you make. Yeah. I really like that because it's true for life. Life yeah, lessons. It is. It's almost like I'm, I'm getting some more information from my own life right now at this moment. <laughs> Which is why I'm, I'm sitting here going, mm -hmm, yeah. Oh, I'm like, anything you it. want to share? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just some blocks, like the same blocks that we've talked about before are still like here. And I'm like, why the fuck won't you leave me alone? I'm done with you. <laughs> Go Ooh, away. Alicia sweared. You know that it's serious if she swears because she never swears. <laughs> I do. I just. Well, you do. It's adorable. It makes me just bubble in my heart. <laughs> I don't as often on this show as I do in life, but <laughs> oh my goodness, you're on your you mean this is your best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Oh my goodness. I speak more truth on here though than I do anywhere else. Uh, but me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> as you were speaking, it was reminding me of like not reminding me, but I was reading the paragraph here where he's telling Gary and anything can happen if you simply turn the power of your mind loose. It has no morality of its own. The good or bad of it comes out of you, not out of the sorcery. Mm -hmm. So then Gary starts thinking about what he's done. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, so when I killed Asherak, that was me doing that, not the sorcery. Yeah. And then um, you know, Gary, obviously we know Gary had a lot of guilt around that moment. He didn't yeah. handle it very well. And then Wolf says, but remember, you know, you also say, just saved this cult's life. So that kind of balances it out. Yeah, it does though. I think. I mean, Ashrak needed to leave the world, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he, he did. Kind of bring anything good to and but this sort of goes into the next little bit of the conversation which is really important did you want to go there yeah you're talking about like killing versus destroying yes <laughs> yeah i like that whole like the whole thing of wolf explains you know you just never want to destroy anything never wipe anything from existence and he says why not because then you will like implode or something is that what yeah. he, well so, so what Garen says what would happen if I try and well it's like the power would just turn inward on you and you would be obliterated in an instant That's yeah, what if says. he tries to destroy something yes so as opposed to you know so the way that Wolf explains it is you, you didn't destroy Ashrak you just changed him a bit you changed him from being alive to being dead you killed him with fire, um, you know, and Gary wants to know, well, how do I know when, what, how do I make sure that the universe knows that I just mean to kill someone and not destroy them? 
and Wolf's like, just stick your sword in them if you really want to kill someone. Right. <laughs> just do the easy way, you know. Um, I like the whole idea of like, but you killed Ashrak, you didn't destroy him, you didn't wipe him out of existence. Mm. It's like that whole idea of when when we die, yes, we're not actually just vanished we're out of existence we've just transitioned into another form i so enjoy that contemplation like it's a huge meditation and can turn my brain inside out like (laughs) a really weird donut but yeah thinking about that all of the energy in the universe has always existed and will always exist there will never be any more and never be any less I think about that and it pretzels me, but I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it's like in, in Lucifer when they refer to, because uh, um, it was season two where, sorry, spoilers coming. I don't think anybody cares, but. Hang on, hang on. If, so if you watch Lucifer and you haven't, if you haven't watched Lucifer, come here. If you haven't seen season two and you don't want to be spoiled because I'm about to say it. Um, the the whole thing where he thinks God has interfered and taken his choice away by, mm-hmm. by purposely giving birth to Chloe mm-hmm. to put him in his path. Mm-hmm. I just, to me, it, I'm like, how did none of you guys see this? Like, just because he did that doesn't make any of it less real. Like, um, where was I going with this? With the, um, all the energy that does, has ever existed, does exist and will exist forever. Yeah. I don't know. I lost my train of thought with it, but that has come up for me. No, it's okay. It wasn't you. I just, I kind of lost my train of thought. I can't, but but I say what, that, that in Lucifer, that little thread, oh, it gets so good. It gets so good. It's really, I had to tell you, like that storyline was getting eerily close to my own life that I was sitting there like, are you trying to send me a message right now? Like, of course, of course, everything's a message. I'm like, was I, was I right way? Yeah, because my parent, I was that miracle birth, and I'm like, wait, did that? Did you do the same thing that you did to Chloe to me? And am I supposed to be in somebody's life right now, like of on course. their path? <laughs> of course, you are. How could yeah. you doubt it? <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's why I was loving that storyline because I was taking it very personally. It just gets better, better, better. (laughs) Just wait, just wait. (gasps) Yeah, so sorry for the sidetrack. I lost my train of thought on that. It might come back to me. You you have nothing to apologize for. This is our show. You get to talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. I know. I will defend it. I I sidetracked a lot of other fantasy stuff because this is that. This I is love. a magical realism. First and foremost, listeners, in <laughs> case you didn't know, this is a magical realism podcast. We are talking about it around the books of the Belgariad to begin with. If we're still going in 30 years, it's going to be a whole different, well, probably we'll still be on Sparhawk then. But anyway, yeah, this, this is just the medium that we are using to talk about life mm-hmm. yeah and i've just that's my natural way is like i relate everything to 
fantasy that I love. Yeah. <laughs> so if I see a relation <laughs> in the story we're reading here, I'm going to bring it up. Nobody minds. <laughs> um, but what we were talking about, he was saying about uh, destroying. Oh, we were saying how people don't sword in him if you want to kill him. Yes. Yeah. And so this is the moment, you know, he explains the ultimate purpose of the universe is to create things. Mm -hmm. And so if you come behind the universe and try to uncreate something, you're going to be destroyed in the process. You know what I really like? Uh, the language. Oh. Where he says it will not permit you to come along behind it. Yeah. Creating all the things. Correct. When you kill somebody, all you've really done is alter him a bit. You know what? I'm I read that as she will not permit you to come along. I inserted that out of my own brain, but it says it. Oh well. <laughs> okay. So, so he explains like this is why you want to be in control of your emotions when you're yes. using the will and the word. Correct. And so he's like, oh, so is that way Aunt Paul has been trying to do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because you could just blast yourself out of existence, you pubescent <laughs> little ball of emotion. And I loved the part where, um, because Garen's like, well, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? Being able to control. Mm. And then Mr. Wolf uses the example of Mandarellen. Uh -huh. And this line made me laugh out loud. I had to read it over three times to just keep <laughs> laughing. But when he says, um, I have to find it. Hold on. Oh, here it is. He's explaining um, why, you know, Mandarellen doesn't understand what fear is until recently. Mm -hmm. And he says, his mind has never been violated by an original thought. <laughs> until now <laughs> yeah and i'm like that is a, just a great line it's a great it's yeah. like it i can see it i can visualize <laughs> his mind being violated by a new yeah <laughs> yeah and so he tells him he's ex he's control learning to control his fear right now and it's the same thing of what mm -hmm. you're trying to learn to do but with something else Mm -hmm. And he's like, and you're much more intelligent than Mandarellen, so I'm sure that you're capable of this. <laughs> well, quite a bit brighter than he is. Yeah. And yeah, this is when they Silk comes to tell them there's something ahead of them. And then they realize Hattar is missing behind them. So they're kind of like, what's going on? They all stop. Uh-huh. And um, oh yeah, this is the the argue, I didn't realize the argument with Tunisia happened right here. Yeah, so Silk and Mr. Wolf gallop off to see whatever this thing Silk is that Silk says that Belga should have a look at. And then um, uh, Sinidra comes, so the cult's like frisking, says the cult's frisking along beside him and <laughs> his eyes full of love and trust. Aww. And Garen's like, oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then here comes the princess Sinedra. Mm -hmm. she wants to know what they were talking about him mr wolf and 
he's vague with her. She says a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And he can immediately tell just by the look on her face that she wants to pick a fight. <laughs> yep. And so he knows that um, she was really upset by what happened in the cave and she doesn't do well being upset. No. And so she kind of wants to turn that around. Yeah. And even worse, she wants to, she's been trying to coax the cult into a, mm. a closer relationship with her and it's been completely ignored. Yeah. And that's even worse than shaking her up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So Gary uh, knows he's not going to avoid it. He's not going to avoid a squabble. It's coming. Yeah. So she accuses that, like, kind of accuses him of, like, well, I wouldn't want to interrupt a private conversation or pry into it. And he's like, well, it wasn't private. We were talking about sorcery, you know. And how to keep accidents from happening. Like, he's really just an honest, a complete mm -hmm. and honest answer. <laughs> and, yeah. she, and she's, like, trying to work out how to be offended <laughs> by right. what he's saying. <laughs> And finally, she just comes out with, I don't believe in sorcery. <laughs> yeah. And she, and, and she knows as soon as she said it how ridiculous the statement is. And that just makes her even more determined to stand by it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love Gary right here because he just like, basically just faces her head on about it all right well is there anything in particular you want to fight about or do you just want to fight <laughs> you sort of you know. yell you start yelling and sort of make it up as we go along mm -hmm. <laughs> yelling right screeching maybe he suggests screeching she <laughs> screeched and so, yeah, it goes on for about a quarter of an hour until Barrack and Aunt Paul come and separate them. But Garen thinks it wasn't very satisfactory because, you know, he's too, he was too preoccupied to really put his heart into the insults and she was irritated and so she, did, she lacked her, her fine edge mm -hmm. um, that usually accompany her retorts. And in the yeah. end, they're just yelling at each other, spoiled brat, stupid peasant. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah typical teenagers i guess mm -hmm. and then uh so silk and mr wolf come back and silk wants to know where heta is yep and so they all just wait because wolf does not want them to separate mm. so they haven't and... noticed that he's gone because barrack says oh right behind us but mm -hmm. he's not there when they look yeah and, and then he starts to come back like they say oh he's coming yeah, yeah. sees him yep and <laughs> paul like uh works out what's happened before he gets back to tell them because you know it's aunt paul and she knows these things mm -hmm. and he's been off killing mergos they were just a couple just a couple so you know just take care of them they were riding Algar horse, Algar, Algar, Algar horses, Algar. Mm. Isn't that weird? Like you read a word over and over again and you hate it's fine. Fine. 
But I say Al, I've never Algar. Algar horses. Yeah. So he took it personally and had to kill them. <laughs> so Mr. Wolf counsels Aunt Paul on just let it go. Don't bother getting cross. It's not going to change. Don't even try. Just let it go. And they weren't the same Murgos that were with Brill. They were different Murgos. Well, that's about the end of it. He left them there as a warning to anyone following them. And Mr. Wolf sort of says, yeah, where Silk and he had gone to look up ahead, they had found uh, the tracks of like a dozen or so horses. And Mr. Wolf's like, yeah, it's to be expected. Tuchik has got his grollums out and Tal Ergus is probably, you know, getting having the region patrolled and we should just move on to the Vale of Aldur as fast as possible and once we're there we won't be bothered anymore what did you think of this end bit what he says about the the Murgos not going into the Vale um well it says Aldor's spirit is there and the Murgos are desperately afraid of him hmm so I don't know maybe it's like a holy place <laughs> contrasting the evilness of where the Murgos spawn. <laughs> hmm. um, I don't know. Like, what I wonder what, I, I, it just makes me wonder what, why Aldur's spirit is so uh, much greater a fear than, than the other gods because they travel to the other lands you know, without without this kind of fear. Maybe there's more. Well, what do you think? I don't know. To me, like, the, the word veil, I don't know why it has this, like, sense of grace around it. Oh, it I really like does, doesn't maybe it? Maybe Aldor is one of the more pure gods mm. and that he's, I don't know, that's more threatening to something that's evil. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for your insights. Yeah. <laughs> it could be way off, but. Oh, fine. well, I think that's, we'll just see where we go. Yeah. I think you're very insightful. Thank you. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. So on to the magic. Yes. I just chose the bond, the cult being bonded to Garion because I think that's a, I don't know, I think that's such a cool thing. Like, I get it though. Like my, my little dog can drive me insane sometimes the way she just attaches to me. So I understand his little like irritation, but it's such a cool thing that, you know, animals like they're just talking about pure they are so pure and you yeah. can see it in their eyes like yeah when they look at you especially mm -hmm. when they're just little babies mm -hmm. they haven't lived in the world with humans yet very long <laughs> it is magical yeah well my magic is the way the universe forbid forbids unmaking mm -hmm. i just really like that yeah that's um, good yeah what's your real life relating Oh, um, I, 
I could relate to Sinidra wanting to pick a fight just for no reason. <laughs> I realized that about myself and mm -hmm. I, I'm more aware now to where I can feel the sensation coming on or I might have just done it and then I get the response and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't need to to say that or, you know. Ah. And so I, I do see I can relate myself to Sinidra a little bit there. Is it like a, a like a release, like a, like a venting? Yes. And like what I'll notice is that something might be going on in this area here that's just like, a, you know, but then I'll go over here and mm. pick the fight okay. with like someone who's not involved at all. Ah. And so it kind of throws them off like, what, wait, what? And then they might kind of nip at me a little bit. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah. So it's like inappropriate, like you feel like you can't do it in the place where it actually belongs. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe I do like if it's with my kids, for example, I do, but they don't care. Oh, I, mom. <laughs> I don't feel fulfilled about this venting at all. I need to get some response. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I so I'm that. working on that. I don't want to be that way. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> okay. So my real life uh, is where Wolf is counseling Gary, and just because he can do something with sorcery doesn't mean he should. And that has been quite relevant to me this week as I bottomed out in my, my burnout. It took me a really long time to say the words burnt, like I, to admit that I was burnt out in this particular area. Mm -hmm. But I can say it now and it's, it's okay. I don't have the resistance to it. And I got to that place because I have, always determined that because I can do the things it's up to me to do the things to do all the things and because uh, I have very high ideation I have ideas all over the place and I'm very uh, I have a lot of knowledge about how to do stuff and when I don't have the knowledge, I go learn how to do stuff. And so because I can make all of these ideas real and follow all of the threads of all my ideas, I tend to try. Mm -hmm. And it's too much. So just because I can do the sorcery doesn't mean I should or I'm required to do the sorcery. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree with that completely. You're just sitting there grinning at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people come to the same realizations that I'm having. Like, you don't have to always be doing something. You know? And mm -hmm. In fact, you should not always. The, the more effortlessness you can bring into your life, the better. Mm-hmm the more peace and then by default, the more that starts to just flow in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Prophecy speaks. Mm -hmm. 
question this week is how will my current consulting job play out? Uh, it's on a bit of a pause at the moment because the, my client is on holidays. So paused the project until they get back and I get some feedback. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, all the little niggling doubts that come in with that because I've had no feedback yet, so I don't know how it's going, if they're happy with it, blah, blah, blah. Mm. They did pay my invoice, so that's nice. Yeah. So I can't be too horrified with the work I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, just how will my current consulting job play out? And the book I'm using is Kane, His Brother by Anne Perry. It's a historical mystery that I think I might actually read tonight when we finish the show. Mm, nice. Trying to hold the book and aim my voice at the microphone at the same time. <laughs> and see what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> have you someone in mind you can appoint to manage the business in Mr. Stonefield's absence? He asked. It was hardly relevant to him. And yet he found himself waiting for the answer, willing that she had not. It seemed so coldly practical for a woman, not yet surely a widow. I thought Mr. Niven, she answered frankly, in spite of the error of judgment that brought him to his present state, he is of absolute honesty and of unusual skill and knowledge in the business. I think he would not be so rash or so lenient in another's cause. Mr. Arbuthnot, that's a weird name, has always thought well of him and might not be averse to continuing with us if it was in Mr. Niven's service. Mr. Niven is also very agreeable and I should not mind thinking of him in Angus's place since their needs must be someone. He has no family of his own and would not be seeking to put me or my sons from their place. Okay. So <laughs> that was pretty clear actually. <laughs> yes. It's cool. I mean, the first line was like, whoa. <laughs> Hey. Like it's the best thing direct like, answers. All about business. Like how clear is that? Cloud? That's that's so cool. I love using novels because I never know mm -hmm. what I'm gonna get. I know. Like if you use a particular kind, like if you use a, a specific kind of self-help book that yeah. has a particular topic, you're kind of mm -hmm. gonna get a certain type of answer usually. But right. novels novels are so exciting for divination. I know. I agree. So, so what I get from that is there is someone there doing the work and they'll check it out when they get back. I can just relax. I don't need to stress about it. It'll all be okay. They're quite satisfied with my work. And I'm yep. not seeking to replace me. Right. Exactly. That's what no? I got too. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are, I can doubt that any work you would do would disappoint somebody <laughs> oh my in any way. Thank you. <laughs> I am pretty good. Anybody yeah. out there want some Excel consulting done? I'm a freaking whiz. I'll make your spreadsheet do magical shit. 
just contact me at Bill Gary to be on Worldwide consulting at your fingertips. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, mine is a. Uh... My sleep again isn't very restful and it is again my dreams that are making it so and I just want to know like how can I just have restful sleep I mean is is there something I'm doing or is it I don't know so I'm just asking for some guidance okay I don't like waking up like like, whoa, talk about trying to raise my vibrations. And then I wake up from these dreams that throw me into low vibrations. Like, um, I'm using the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza. This is not fiction, but it's been so long since I read this. I don't really know what I'm going to get, but let's see. Okay. I opened this the last time I used this book <laughs> yeah. in this podcast. I opened this exact same page. Bullshit. I remember this because I was literally just thinking of it while you were wrapping up your thing. I'm like, the last time I used this book, it said something about awareness, not, but I couldn't remember. And I knew it was another A word. <laughs> I opened to the page and it says awareness, not analysis permits entry into the subconscious and that's like a subtitle anyways do you want to go further or do you want to interpret that no i want to read a little bit okay here's a way for you to know if you're in beta state if you're constantly analyzing i call this being an analytical mind you are in beta and you're not able to enter into the subconscious mind The expression paralysis by analysis is an apt one here. Well, that's what is happening to us when we live most of our lives in that beta range. The only time we aren't there is when we're sleeping. (laughs) Then we're in the delta range of brainwave activity. Now you might be thinking, but you said that we needed to be aware. We need to become familiar with our thoughts, feelings, patterns of responses, and so forth. Doesn't that require analysis? Actually, awareness can exist outside of analysis. When you are aware, you may think, I feel angry. I'm feeling angry. When you're analyzing, you go beyond that simple observation to add, why is this page taking so long to load? Who designed this stupid website? Why is it that whenever I'm in a hurry, like now, when I'm trying to get to a movie listing, the internet connection is so slow. (laughs) awareness as i mean it to be practiced here is simply noting watching a thought or feeling and moving on Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the only thing i i feel from this is that i don't when i sleep i don't feel like i'm actually getting to that phase he's talking about I don't feel like I go to Delta brainwave activity ever. I think my mind is still trying to operate as if I'm awake. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Have you thought of, have you, sorry, keep going. 
Well, I know because we talked about this before and I try before bed. I do, you know, meditation. I try to wind my head down and all that yeah. stuff. So if it's just like stress or something, I don't know what else to do, you know, to help it. So my other comment would be in relation to that end of what you're reading. Mm-hmm. What you're doing now, even by asking this question, is describing what he's describing. Yeah. Instead of just of going, oh, yeah, okay, I see that, and let it go past. You're grabbing onto it and going, but why? Let me look at it. Let me get it closer. Why is it taking so long? Why am I not going deeply enough? I'm not going deeply enough. I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. I'm not going deep enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's something, there's something there. There's a judgment of yourself. Hmm. That you're doing something wrong. Yeah. I think the judgment, that's what, what I, some of the blocks I'm trying to let go of right now has nothing to do with my dreams. I don't judge myself about dreaming the way I do, but um, I guess the judgment comes from the specific area of my life that I've yet to like resolve after like three years trying to. And that we'll see. And, and by isolating but asking the question, why is my sleep not restful? That's a really big question because there's so much that feeds into that. It's not just the dreaming, the disturbing, the disruptive dreaming that you're remembering as you wake up. It's all of the things in your life that are feeding into the reason why you're not having restful sleep. Mm. So you're probably right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because... I was curious too if maybe it was my eating, my eating habits. Oh, I did get anything about eating or physical, right? Or care there at all. This that was very so, emotional kind of. Again, it comes back to like this stuff that I was, and it's funny the, the mess every day. Like yeah. the messages are getting a little bit more precise, a yeah. little bit more like on the nose of like, okay, like I feel like you're pressuring me, in and I can't do it. What do you want me to do? It, you'll do it exact third time, divine timing. I've mentioned divine timing in the show today. You'll do it exactly at the right time when you're ready to and not a moment before because it's impossible for you to do anything else. Guess. If you could do it another way, you would do it another way and that would be the perfect way. Yeah. It's just there's other people in my life or a situation in my life that's kind of like, but I need this now, you know, so I don't have to go to them. Well, Mm -hmm. and then just my situation of things I need to take care of. And I can't because this block is still here. I'll cut that name out. Okay. (laughs) I did it last week. I just did a little, cut that out. Yeah. You okay? I'm fine. I just, right. yeah. I'm just mm. frustrated. I if guess. you want to talk a bit more about it, we'll do it after the show. That's fine.
Do we have a prediction for next week? I didn't really know what to say, so I'm still going to say maybe they'll arrive at the veil this time. <laughs> you really but, want them to arrive at the veil. Yeah, I'm getting a little tired of the road, I guess. <laughs> that, that happened to me in Lord of the Rings, too, though. Like, I was like, okay. Yeah. Like that, that, whole, that whole series is all the, about the journey. <laughs> it is. I'm all sorry. traveling. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping maybe like once they get to the veil, there'll be like a new character or somebody who might actually become like a staple mm-hmm. character, maybe. Cool. Cool. Okay. Um, so hashtag. Any ideas? Hmm. Oh. Yelling. <laughs> yeah. There you okay. go. Yelling. Okay. So before we get speaking of hashtags, we have we have a new listener. His name is Edward Emery. And um, I wanted to give him a special shout out for flinging hashtags around on Instagram. It's delightful. And <laughs> when, um, so Edward, when you finally catch up to this episode, this little announcement will be a wonderful surprise for you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast fam. We love that you're here. And yes. uh, I get a huge grin every time I read one of your hashtag <laughs> tosses it out there. And really guys, you can do this anyway on the Facebook page, in the group, on the Instagram feed. Just throw a hashtag on one of the posts. Put it in a, try, you know, if you want to get clever, build it into like something that you want to say. It's all good, but it's a lot of fun anyway. So thank you, yeah. Edward. You are appreciated. Yes. Glad to have you. Yes. So uh, if you want to use this week's hashtag, it is hashtag yowling. And you will find all of the extended show notes and links to all the things on our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. So head over there and check it out and sign up for our mailing list while you're there. And you can leave us a voice message too. Um, and there'll be a, there's a link in the show notes all the time for that. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Belgariad and Beyond. And you can email Belgariad and Beyond at gmail.com with all your questions and comments and Excel related requests. This show, <laughs> that was a joke. Don't do that unless you want me as a consultant. I'm very expensive. This show is an indie production. <laughs> And the best way for you to show your support is to become a patron and you can get access to bonus episodes of before the show and uh, full uncut video episodes where you get to peek behind the curtain and see all of our shenanigans and carry on. So you can find out more about becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Belgariad and beyond. There will be a link in the show notes. Yes. 
another week done yay yay okay everyone well we'll be back next week yep see you then or talk to you then (laughs) bye or you'll listen to us then (laughs) 